Hi, this is episode 14 of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, the most eccentric man ever, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. And how is it going, everyone, today? It's, we've done episodes before where we've talked about plot holes. That was actually a couple episodes ago where we talked about 80s movies that was okay, plot holes. first of all, we've only done one episode. That's what I meant. I no, know I, know I said more than one, but that was by accident. We've done one episode of this. This was many months ago. Yeah. I've wanted to do another one since, but we haven't really sat down and chose which movies to cover. But we figured doing horror movie plot holes would be a very fun topic to get us going into the Halloween season. Yeah, since we're going into our spooky season, we were thinking about things to talk about, especially... Uh, you know, dark and creepy, scary things, whether it's about movies or art or anything in general. So we thought, hey, in horror movies, there's also plot holes also. Yeah. So I mean, there's a shit ton of them. I mean, we, we've looked up and we did some research, and there have been movies that we've already seen where we didn't really feel like we needed to kind one, of go over. But. Ones who I'm very familiar with that I forgot there are plot holes with within it. So that's why I figured today we will discuss those plot holes that um, we've seen of those scary movies that we've grown up watching. Alright, so the first movie we have down is Gremlins. It's uh, my favorite movie. Released in 1984. And there's two plot holes that we kind of agreed we thought were noteworthy to discuss, which I'm sure a lot of people have already had discussions like this in the past. Which I never looked at before, because this movie, I love this movie very much. It's a classic. It's not only a horror movie, but it's also a Christmas-themed horror movie. But there was things that I didn't realize that they messed up on were were plot hole in this movie. Well, it's not really like something that they messed up on. It's just their writing is just doesn't make any sense. It mainly focuses on two of the three rules when caring for the Mogwais. So the first one is don't feed a Mogwai after midnight. That's a very important rule also. It is, but like when the hell is that going to be? Because if you think about it, any time after midnight... Is after midnight. I kind like, of fig- noon. Noon is after midnight. Well, I mean, it's in the afternoon, but yeah. Um, but no. But I'm saying with after midnight, I was actually always thinking about this growing up, and they were saying after midnight. So after twelve, is it good to feed them at one or give them six hours, six to eight hours before they have to eat again? See, that's something that they could have specified a little bit better. Because I've never watched Gremlins, so I'm just going to ask you strictly, Colin. Like, Yes, hi. They they feed the Mogwai after midnight, right? Well... Or do they... What happened was, he, he knew not to feed them after midnight. Okay. But the Gremlins, they were a little mischievous, the Mogwais were. And they actually saw the plate of chicken wings and actually snuck some um, from the fridge... And actually, well, not from the fridge, but they snuck some in after midnight and ate them. Okay. Yeah. So the Mogwai fed themselves. Yeah. They fed okay. themselves. And then the next morning, there were these giant, ugly fucking cocoons. What time, though, exactly did they eat after midnight? Or was it, like, right at midnight? Right after midnight, like 12.01, 12.02. Because what happened was the leader, I think, messed up the clock. He um, pulled the cord out. And basically just had, I think the kid's name's David or something, uh, made him just, like, think that it was the right time. But the mother was like, did you feed them after midnight? And he's like, I don't think so. I mean, I checked the clock right here and everything. And then the thing was, like, pulled off. And he's like, what's going on? And it was weird. So those gremlins, they are smart. 
They are so smart when for, is, for doing what they do. I guess the thing that we still kind of can't really wrap our heads around is when is a good time to feed a mogwai after? I, I give them about six to eight hours or well, wait really, another 12 hours. It's not really based on our opinion. I, mean, I, I would say I, I would say like noon probably. That's what I'm that's, saying. Yeah. That's like the good halfway mark. Yeah, you give them 12 hours. You give them 12 hours after midnight. You give them 12 hours till you feed them at noon. And then they can eat whatever they want until midnight. Okay. That's what I think. So then the other plot hole that we were discussing was the don't get them wet rule. Yeah, but the but they're around and snow and they're yeah, surrounded it, by it, snow and I don't understand that's that. That's the thing. And in, when we were looking up these plot holes, someone brought up a really good point. There is a scene in the movie where they go outside and they like play in the snow. Yeah. Snow is essentially frozen water. It is. And I know that some people have debunked the theory, well, Mogwai can't get wet from frozen water. Yeah, because it's still but, cold out. Yeah. But what I don't understand, and this is something that a lot of people who live in the snow go through, when you break, like... When you go outside, you walk through snow, or you walk outside when it's snowing. And you walk back That in. stuff's like sticks to your shoes, it sticks to your clothing, it sticks to your hair and mm-hmm. skin. Then when you go inside, it quickly melts from yeah, the heat. Exactly, yeah. So even if they had, like, say, gotten water or snow on their fur and went inside, they would have quickly gotten wet and multiplied and that was the thing that i didn't get because they could have easily multiplied so quickly with all that frozen snow with all that snow but i think also because it didn't melt right away maybe that's why they didn't multiply right away either yeah because when you're outside in the frozen air i mean the the frozen air is going to keep the snow from melting you know I it's went, only yeah. when it's like i said when you track it inside when you have like the heat on or something is when it melts into water and that's when you have a problem that's honestly wish i can ask joe dante if i ever meet joe dante the guy who directed this movie if i ever meet him i would love to ask him those two main questions well i don't think that's like a director type question well, i he, feel like he knows it he was one that also wrote the movie Okay, if he wrote the movie, then yeah. But if if a, there's a there's a big difference between a director and a writer. Well, yeah, now sometimes some like producers and writers take on the same tasks, or like writers and directors take on the same tasks. But it's not always like the same thing. But the director should know also the origin and the things to know about their creatures as well. A director only has so much control. It's really the produced. I feel like it's the producers of the movies that have more. That and the executive producer. Because. Well, it's the producers of the movie that they book the um, location of film sightings, they hire the crew, and so on and so forth. That's well, well those ever, ones stumped us. Yeah, I mean, those are very, like, tricky. And, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It really doesn't. When you, when you look at it from a broader perspective. So moving on to the next one. Now, I already... I'm just going to say this right now. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. I mean, we probably won't get through all of them. If we do, it's probably going to be a bit of a lengthy episode. Yeah. So how many do you want to do? Well, it's up to you. I was actually just planning on doing three like we did last time. Yes. Let's do three. 
So we'll do poltergeist next. Yeah, we'll do poltergeist. So because our viewers would definitely love to hear oh, about yeah. poltergeist. That's well, a great movie. 1982's poltergeist, <laughs> uh, like just like the last one we just talked about. There's a couple of plot holes in this one that I thought was very noteworthy. Which I noticed that too when I heard what saw the um, the plot holes of poltergeist, and yeah. I was like, wow, that really doesn't make sense. Now I want to get into like the the. The more noteworthy one first before yeah. we get into like a bit of the stupid one later. <laughs> when I was doing my research, because I've never really watched Polter all of Poltergeist, it just seemed a little too creepy for me to, to be able to sit and watch through the whole thing. Have you watched Creepier? Okay, let me just get to my point first. Mm. So, from my understanding to this movie, the Freelings move into this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it was rumored to have built on a former burial site or burial ground. In which, by the way... I'm not done. Mm. I'm not done. Don't interrupt. You bitch. So they're told this information and then later come to find out that the bodies of the burial sites were never actually moved, but their headstones were moved, thus creating the poltergeist phenomenon, which is the spirits are angry that they were have these land developments built over them and so yes and that's why craig t nelson screamed at the at the man who had them moved into the house the real estate agent saying you moved the headstones but not the bodies and that's another thing that's you would okay now you would think as a land developer when you're building a neighborhood because these these houses have to have had basements and obviously the one that the freelings lived in had a pool Mm -hmm. would they have not been able to dig up some bodies during the development of this land that's a very good point now if that's the case which i'm sure they had to at least dig into the ground somewhat to you know get the structure grounded why wouldn't they just go ahead and move the bodies then Mm mm-hmm Good I point. mean, I can understand that they didn't get all of the bodies because they weren't able to find all of the bodies, but the fact that they were just lazy enough to say, oh, well, we moved the headstones, we didn't move the bodies themselves, why wouldn't you do that? Because they didn't care and they didn't think anything bad was going to happen. But if you don't but move you, above a burial ground, you know it's going to get haunted. But it, that's not the point. The point is is that you would think that doing all of that digging and all of that like moving things around, like bodies are going to get in the way you know, yeah. the bodies would have been discovered from the get-go of building this neighborhood. It wouldn't have just been like, oh, well, you know, we just found out that the land we built these houses on is buried over some dead bodies. It's and, like, and, and if anything, it pissed off the spirits, too, more than anything. I know, but that's the point that... It, um, anyway, it, it just doesn't make a lot... It I mean, doesn't. I know it doesn't. Would it really have costed them a lot of money to move them? Or is it because it was specifically a Native American burial site that... They just didn't move them? No, I'm thinking, too, when you when you tamper with something that has some historical value or significance to it, mm-hmm. it becomes a historical landmark. Therefore, no land developing or zoning is, like, authorized they're at that point. They're all on that, yeah. So, of course, they're going to keep that shit under wraps and be like, yeah, let's just go ahead and keep doing what we're doing. We won't tell anybody about the bodies or anything. And it's like they're not going to notice that type of ordeal. 
So that's one theory. I guess we can kind of go by and say, well, you know, they just don't want it. To, to bring attention to this bit of news would have yeah. hindered their plans to build these you know, communities that they would have essentially made money off of. But instead, the whole thing backfired and their whole house in the very end of the movie got sucked into a different dimension. Which brings me to my next point. If that all happens at the end, after Tangia Barons? Yep, Tangia Barons. Yeah, she's a she great cla- actress. She claims after they rescued Carolyn from the... From the other realm. From the other realm. Mm-hmm. That the house is, quote, clean. Yeah. That shit still happens at the very end. Right. It, it, she obviously is neither not that good of being a spiritual medium, or the spirits are that convincing of, like, hiding their auras and their presence... <laughs> From her. They're pretty damn good at it, yeah. Especially I mean, with the sequel, because... See, here's the thing, Colin. I love you. And I know you like to see the good in people. But sometimes you just gotta look at somebody and admit to them, like, you fudged up. Like I know. I didn't say I didn't, but... Okay. I feel like in this case, she kind of, like... She fucked fu- up. She, she did. fudged up. No, she fucked up, yeah. Yeah, she fudged up. Why do you keep saying fudged? Because sometimes fudge sounds a little bit funnier to say. Okay, fine. You're, you're cute when you say it, but fine. But she just, like, walks into, like, the middle of the living room and, like, glances around. She's like, this house is clean. And I'm like, bitch, no, it's not. (laughs) What kind of, like, what kind of authorization do you have to just walk into the middle of a room, glance around looking for nothing, and then say, oh, yeah, we're good. It's clean. You're safe. You're fine. I have exercised the demon. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know. That's so funny. And then, and then you brought up a good point. Well, they, you know, had to make a sequel. They had to end it off with, like, a potential sequel. Well, they had to, you know, because they just... I don't think uh, they had to do shit, okay? Well, some sequels are meant to happen, some sequels are not. And this one probably didn't, but yeah. I can tell you which movie didn't deserve a multitude of sequels. Friday the 13th. Well, you know, I mean, they had good stories, you know? I mean, yeah, but they could have left it off at, at the at, first one. That, or they could have left it off in four. No. Because the final chapter, that was actually a perfect ending for that four-part series. That's the one with Corey Feldman in it, right? Yeah, and he yeah. Ki- and he killed off uh, Jason with a fucking axe and yeah. put it to his head. Yeah. And that was the most gruesome killing, too. It was pretty sweet. But I'm just saying, like, some movies don't deserve sequels. And I feel like Poltergeist was probably one of those movies that didn't deserve a sequel. Yeah, you know, you're kind of right. But, you know, the sequel wasn't bad. It was just fucking crazy and just kind of unorthodox. It was all over the place. Yeah. And that's that's some of the problems I have with some horror movies is, like, when the plot gets so... And you know what they shouldn't have done. Hang on. So I feel like when a movie gets... When a movie plot gets so out of hand and unorganized like that it's hard to follow and doesn't make any sense it's like yeah. was it worth making a sequel over i mean kind of but i mean I did it know. i didn't honestly do equal if not better than the original well because carol ann was definitely not in the third one after the second one because i think she died during the making yeah, of the she, second one so i think it's not worth it she mm. yeah she died very young during the making of the second movie she was a great actress too she was amazing and she and for what she did in the second one, she was still great. It was definitely a good way to go for her. I mean, no offense to her passing, but she was just amazing. From what I remember reading about her death, it sounded like it wasn't really like a very good way to go. Yeah. But we'll get into more of that maybe in like another 
Maybe we'll podcast. discuss that yeah. in another time. So, yeah. yeah. But other than that, um, are we good with the poltergeist? Yeah, I think so. Because, honestly, that those two issues were the only things we were going to, like, discuss. Yep. Okay. And, and then, yeah. And then this next movie, this one is a huge movie, especially for what it was. For a low-budget movie that actually made such success and kind of, like, brought, like, the forthcoming of, like, slasher movies. 1978's Halloween. That's yep. all you had to do, Colin. Well, I'm just saying, it's a nice little introduction for Halloween because it's such an inspirational movie for other slasher movies for the future. Alright. So, yeah. I mean, and there's a but, couple... But even for a great movie, there were still some plot holes. Yeah. I was going to say. Like, there, there's a couple plot holes. I mean, we didn't really get into one that was kind of, like, lame. It was about, like, the masks... And it wasn't, like, just the plot hole for this movie. It was the mm. plot hole throughout all the movies. He always seems to find, like, that same mask, find it in odd different ways. I just love that they use a William Shatner mask and kind of, like, melted and use it to be Michael Myers' mask. Yeah. But the thing that, like, really, I guess, stumped a lot of audiences and us, especially when you think about it, is for a guy like Michael Myers to have been locked up in a mental institution since he was a child and yeah, not... For 20 years or so. But to not have any sort of connection with the outside world or really learn anything about how to, like, live driving one of those skills. I mean, how the fuck does a mental patient learn how to fucking drive i had a i had a little stupid theory but, okay but like for me you you've seen in the movie where michael's just standing there just staring and observing things like just staring and looking at his at his sister Lori. you think he like watched somebody like drive and from the window and just do that whole same stance just through the window and learning how how they're driving and stuff and they're moving the car yeah because i mean in in that scene where they Dr. Loomis and his uh, nurse assistant, like, they drive up to the gates of the asylum and there's people walking around. And yeah. Michael hijacks the car and drives away. And I think it was the nurse who even pointed out, she's like, how was he able to drive? And he's like, <laughs> and Loomis sarcastically says, I don't know, maybe somebody around here taught him lessons or gave him lessons. Well, maybe someone actually like, felt bad for him and cared no, for him. I feel like Michael doesn't talk to anybody. No. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have the social skills to be able to go up to somebody and be like, hey, can you teach me how to drive a car? And I feel like nobody would really go out of their way to just teach Michael, like, hey, you know, you got to learn how to drive a car. Let me teach you how, to, how a car works. Yeah, just in case you need to escape. He is such a hazard to the people around him. He wouldn't have the ability to be able to get close enough to people for A, to, for the people to teach him how to drive, but B, for him to be able to learn, because he would just probably want to, like, kill him eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I guess that was, like, the big plot hole, in the, and especially in the first movie. But there was one plot hole in a Halloween movie that I wanted to talk about that's not quite canon, I guess I would say. It's the Rob Zombie Halloween. And it's a small one. But if you guys have ever watched it, like, you know that Michael has, like, an affiliation with wearing masks since before COVID was a thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> really? You had to go into that? Yeah. Oh, anyway. Well, Michael had an affiliation for masks and was always making paper mache masks during his time, especially when he was locked up in the mental institution. I was about to say, how many movies did that guy do? Rob Zombie? No, no, no. Um, or Michael Myers. How many movies? Yeah, how many movies they did of Halloween? The first and the second... Yep. The fourth and fifth. 
H2O, Halloween Resurrection. Oh, I thought that was Revelation. But no, it is Resurrection. Resurrection. And then the two remakes that Rob Zombie did. And then this new one. This new one, which is fucking terrible. I hate that one. I kind of like it better than the Rob Zombie movies, but that's just my Oh, no. Don't even go there. Oh, I did. Don't even go there. I went there. I swimmed in the waters, and I enjoyed it. But no, so I'm saying this. So So, I'm I'm saying this. So Can I say something? Can I get back to my thought? Because we just went way off topic for me to finish my thought. Ah, fine. You're stupid. So... Mm. In Rob Zombie's Halloween remake, young Michael Myers has an affiliation with masks and makes a lot of paper mache ones while he's locked up in the mental institution, right? Yeah. Going into, going into adulthood, he now has established an entire collection of masks he has made during his time being locked up. Why does he feel the need, after breaking out of prison, to go to back to his hometown of Haddonfield, aside from you know finding his sister Lori Strode, why would he feel the need to go all the way back to his home, find the old mask that he wore in the original killings, which is the William, the infamous William Shatner mask, and then decide to wear that one when you have a whole collection that you made in prison? Did you really just fart? No. <laughs> I don't like you right now. I'm sorry. That one just didn't make any sense to me. What, the it, fart or that? No, the the plot hole that I was talking about. Oh. Okay. And then what was what was your what was your thing? Okay, so I'm saying that he's done all those movies with that mask on. Mm-hmm. And people are complaining about their mask wearing during <laughs> during this pandemic. If Michael Myers could wear a mask throughout all those movies the whole entire time without taking it off, without any problems, and he could still kill people people shouldn't be complaining i know like michael myers wears the same mask in a span of like a almost two hour movie yeah and he's been and wearing you can't, it for and you can't wear your mask for a, a, like a 20 minute top grocery shopping trip are you fucking so i feel like this f- is going to be our new normal so for those anti-maskers who don't want to wear their mask or don't feel like you know the law applies to them or you know whatever that's bullshit this is going to be your new normal. Okay? Han. Yes. Han, Han, take a breather. Let it go because we're talking about Halloween here. We're not talking about the well, other maskers. I blame you then for bringing it up. I'm you know, sorry. All you right. know it how my triggered. Fault. Okay. It's okay. I know. I know. I triggered it. That was my fault. Viewers, I am very sorry. She didn't mean to go into that. That was my fault. I'm going to crop it all off anyway. Oh, yeah, that's fine. We're going to crop it all off. But are we good with the Halloween episode, or are we still talking about it? I feel like we can probably keep going with what we have. Okay. Um. So we kind of covered, like, all of the Three. older stuff. Yeah, we covered Ooh. the older stuff. This next one. So it's not really a horror movie, but it is, like, a sp- suspense thriller. Yeah. And it's the Lost World Jurassic Park. It released in 1997. Yeah. And it's the big one that, like, a lot of people never really understood was the scene with the ship when it reaches California that transports the, the T-Rex and the baby T-Rex. hmm What happened to the crew members that were operating the ship? Because yeah. when it crashes into the shore and people aboard it, like... Obviously, something happened. Something attacked these people. But if the T-Rex is locked up in the cargo of the ship, how would it have gotten out? It didn't. 
And from what I can find out in my research, there actually was a deleted scene that was pulled from the original movie that actually shows what happened to the crew members. And apparently some raptors got on ship and ate them all. I mean, first of all, give me your thoughts, Colin, on what, how you feel about this scene. Alright, so when they were on the ship... Mm-hmm. And he killed those dinosaurs. And oh, wait, when the dinosaur no, no. killed those humans, right on the ship. Well, if you had listened to what I was saying, there was a deleted scene that was oh, pulled yeah. from the movie that shows what happened to the crew members. Apparently, a flock. Well, I don't know if I call them a flock or a pack of raptors. Just a p- a, a, po- a pack of raptors. They got on the ship and they killed and ate the crew members. So they explained what happened to them, but the fact that they don't show it, like, just leaves it a big mystery. Yeah. And I feel like them pulling that scene out of the movie, either for time's sake or, you know, because they you thought it... You feel like they shouldn't have done that? I feel like, okay, because it causes, like, one of the biggest plot holes in the whole fucking movie. I mean, Lost World Jurassic Park, as unpopular of a sequel as it was, was kind of one of my favorites. Yeah. And... I I still can't wrap my head around, like, that scene. Because it's like... It would have made sense to keep that scene in. So that way, like... And I feel like that particular scene would have held way more fear and horror into the whole trope of thriller, scary movie type of genre. Mm-hmm. Especially in terms of, like, you know, these ancient carnivorous animals are attacking these people yeah. in the middle of an ocean. And, and they- you have no other way of getting, like... And didn't that T-Rex, like, came to the shores on the boat with no one on it? No, because... So that's what happened, right? No, I need you to really pay attention to what I am saying, Colin, because... Oh my god, shut up. Back at the island, they rounded up all of the animals, put them in cargo ships, and sent them to... Was it San Francisco? Yes. California? Mm-hmm. And they... They showed that the ship that was holding the T-Rex and its baby crashes into the ship. So at some point in time, there were crew members on that ship. And somehow, raptors got on board and ate them or killed them or whatever the fuck they did. We don't know what actually (laughs) happened, though, because they pulled the fucking scene from the movie. I haven't had coffee yet, and you're just like, you keep asking me things that I've already answered. You're making me repeat myself. Just take your phone and do that. Oh, wow. And that... I threw his phone, because every time I open my mouth to say something, he's playing with his phone and not paying attention. Shut up. Anyway. Hi. So, uh, give me your thoughts so we can move on, please. My thoughts on this? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I've watched the movie, but I've never watched the movie all the way through. Okay, and, so you can't just, give me you can't give me crap then for not watching. But I seen the ship that comes into San Francisco, and there was the T Rex that came on it. It was it was still locked up in the cargo in the bottom of the but ship. But you know, I'm trying to say this. You know yes. what it made me uh, think of when that happened? Hmm. It made me think of you know you ever seen Dracula and how Dracula traveled to from Transylvania on a boat. All the way to America. Are you talking about that show? England? Are you talking about that show you watched? No, on I'm talking about the story Dracula. Period. So when he traveled on a boat from Transylvania all the way to England, mm-hmm. he was the only one that got off the ship because he ate everyone on there because he was having a 
uh, so, hung, uh, hunger pains. So are you trying to tell me that you think the T-Rex actually killed those people? I mean, maybe not, but if I was thinking about this before that, but yeah. A T-Rex that would have been locked in the cargo hold of a ship, broke free, I didn't killed say... crew members, and then locked itself back down in the cargo hold, <laughs> makes no fucking sense! Hey. What? Calm your tits. No. Alright, so this is the thing. I didn't say that, but it made me think of those two. Dracula was the only one that came onto the shore from getting off the boat... And so with the same thing with the T-Rex. It just made me think of that. That's all I could think of. But you don't actually think that the T-Rex did No, it. I don't think he did it. Good, because mm. I do not want to have to scream at you that you do not pay attention. So let's just do Final Destination 3. We'll see where we are at the end, and then we'll move on. Okay. Okay? Fine. So Final Destination 3. What was up with the roller coaster crash like scene? Well, just to let you know, I've never seen Final Destination 3. Neither have I, but apparently um, one of the biggest plot holes from that movie is... It's it's the scene in all Final Destination movies where the protagonist has a vision or a premonition or whatever that they're about to die in some horrible crash. I think it's a premonition. But they die in this horrible crash and they snap back to reality and are able to not only evade death themselves but manage to convince like a a small group of people that don't go on the coaster don't go on the plane or whatever because you're gonna die and you would think that like by logic however this whole scene plays out like the crash probably would have would not have happened especially if there were some factors that some of these people brought onto the scene would have contributed to the crash right yeah okay so let's break this down so in Final Destination 3, Wendy gets a premonition or a vision that the roller coaster is going to malfunction and kill everybody on board, right? Yes. She gets a small group of people to back out from the ride. One of these people named Frankie had a camera that in the vision falls on the tracks during the ride. Thus, when the train hits the camera, causes the malfunction and the crash, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you would think, since he got off the ride, he would have brought the camera with him. And it would be all right. Yeah. Well, the crash still happens, and... I was going to say, didn't they get on it, on it in the very end of the ride, at uh, the very end of the movie? They got onto the roller coaster, and then uh, the thing fell off and hit it, and then the thing crashed? Because That think was the original happened. vision. That was the premonition that she had. Yeah, but... So, by all logic... When you remove that factor from the, the timeline or how things, you know, that domino effect, the crash should have never happened, right? Right. But yet, the crash still happens, and they rule it out as a, a malfunction issue because they apparently said earlier before the crash that some of the trains were malfunctioning, yet they still use them anyway, which again doesn't make any sense. I thought that was dumb. Yeah, it really doesn't. But then again, it could be chalked up to the fact, like we mentioned in the Poltergeist, it's about the money. If a ride doesn't work, and you're not making any money from it, you're losing money. Mm -hmm. So you either gotta cut corners to make money, or take that loss. Yeah. It it, it doesn't make any sense. And this is why I never really liked Final Destination movies. Not because of the fact that some some of the death scenes are very terrifying, and... 
to this day, I can never really, like, drive behind certain, like, service trucks without getting, like, really fucking nervous. They just don't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Not really, yeah. So, did you want to do another one before we... I, I really want coffee right now. Well, let's do... I really want coffee. I feel like the the last two are very quick. Do you want to do Zombieland? Sure, I guess. Okay. Well, you've seen Zombieland, right? Mm -hmm. 2009 Zombieland. Yep. That's probably the only zombie movie that I actually enjoy watching. My favorite scene in that movie is when they met up with Bill Murray at his place. Oh, yeah. And the funniest thing I've ever heard was... What is the one? What's the one th movie that you regret doing? And he was like, Garfield. I regret Garfield. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yeah, Columbus shoots Bill Murray, and just before he dies, Little Rock asks him if he has any regrets. Because you know, he's like Garfield. You know what's funny too hmm. about Garfield? The origin, the cartoon show that came out in the '80s, the real Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. The guy who played in that and uh, his character Venkman mm -hmm. in the cartoon. Was the voice of Garfield. Oh. And literally, um, Bill Murray was actually kind of upset about that. And he was just like, I don't want my character to be voiced by freaking Garfield. Like, you know, he just thought that was ridiculous. So then he turns around and is like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm going to voice as his character in a fucking live action movie. And it actually turns out, from what I've heard and research and everything, he actually did not like the movie. He didn't like doing it. But going completely off topic. I just know, now, I know. Let's go to Zombie Land. So, the plot hole in this is that two of our four main characters are two women who are they're sisters. They're sisters. They are nicknamed Wichita and Little Rock. And they're pretty smart for kids. They are, and in, and in flashbacks, pre-apocalyptic era, mm -hmm. they were essentially a couple con women. Yeah. Like they would travel the country and pretty much dupe people out of their money. Now, you think with these girls being so smart and everything, you know, they, they're like, oh, we've heard about this abandoned theme park and we were going to go there for like a salvation and sanctuary kind of thing. They go there and they realize like, hey, there's no zombies. Like, that's cool. We can hide out here and just, you know, hopefully, you know, protect ourselves. But yet they turn on all the attractions and the lights and the bells and whistles and essentially attract nearby zombies to where mm. they're located. And they wanted to have fun. They wanted to play and so they go on rides and stuff. Yeah, because I think that was the thing that they kind of like wanted to kind of focus on. And that's something that they even like highlight a lot throughout the movie is enjoy the little things. Especially yeah. in like apocalyptic times when almost everybody is gone all of your loved ones are probably gone dead but you're and still there you're still alive and you're just trying to survive and things are chaotic and probably looking a little bleak so when you do have the time to enjoy the little things enjoy those little things because you never know because they're not going to be there for long what if you die and then you just regret it yeah essentially but then again you can't regret it because you're already being eaten it's, it's like with Tallahassee's character. With him, it's Twinkies. With Wichita and Little Rock, it's Pacific Playland. And I think that while it wasn't the wisest choice to turn on all the attractions... They the, really shouldn't have done that. The, yeah. Shouldn't have done that from the get-go. Probably should have been smart enough to realize it wasn't a good idea. But, again, it's one of those things. They wanted to enjoy a little bit of happiness or experience a little bit of happiness and fun and... I heard the yeah. sequel's good. 
The sequel is really. I good haven't seen out. the sequel yet. I should try. I should. We should try it out. We should definitely see what we think of it. I always get a little worried with sequels because I. I mean, this Zombieland was a good movie. It had a good premise. It was a good concept. But it feels like with this one, it's kind of like the same formula. If you have the same formula and the same good writing and everything, but you add some extra characters to make it a little funnier too. That's but good. I feel like from watching the trailer, some of the characters, like, I, I'm cringy already of thinking about two of them. And it's the ones that are essentially, like, alternative versions of Tallahassee and Columbus. You remember? It's like Luke yeah. Wilson and some yeah. other other Jesse Essenberg-esque kid. You know who I would actually love for a character-like person to be in that movie? Mm-hmm. Like, especially in that time? Like a, like a crazy Steve type of character from, like, Drake and Josh. Oh, God. He would be so funny in that movie. He would be funny. I don't know if he would last long. <laughs> Probably. But anyway. <laughs> get I'm, I'm a little apprehensive about trying out Zombieland 2 because I don't want it to, uh, like... I'm going to watch it, so I'll tell you what I think of it. All right, but I need you to understand my version of what cringy is. And that scene in the trailer with Luke Wilson and that kid when they meet Tallahassee and Columbus. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's so cringy. Like, why would you Why would you create characters like that for no reason? Mm. You know? Like, that's the thing I'm going to be worried about. Yeah. When I watch Zombieland 2. I get that. So, but so I'll let you know what I think of it. But that's just my theory on that whole plot hole. You know, it's just, it's, it's again, it's touching a little bit on what the narrator expresses in the movie is enjoying the little things mm-hmm. you know especially yeah. if that little thing is actually a big thing that works as a beacon to the zombies but anyway mm, twinkies would be mine i like twinkies i was gonna say if you were in a po- post-apocalyptic zombie world and you had to find the one little thing that made you happy or brought you joy what would it be Oh, there'll be a few things. Like, well, uh, pick one. Fine. I always enjoyed this when I was a kid when my dad would take me. We would go to Guitar Center, and while he would play his guitars and check them out and everything, and always, you know, find the, the his favorite Fenders, mm-hmm. I would go into the drum room and play for hours on these beautiful set-up drum kits. Like, some of the biggest kits or some of the smallest kits with all cymbals and just these beautifully designed drum sets and I'm just yeah. playing there for hours. If there was no one around in this po- in this apocalyptic world and Guitar Center was open and the door, you know, is unlocked and everything, I would go in there, spend mm-hmm. hours in there playing the drum sets, mm-hmm. having a wonderful time, and then probably maybe take them away or something. Maybe maybe like put them in my van or something and take some stuff away. Yeah. You know? But, you know, I'm doing it because no one else will be doing it, and it just it wouldn't feel wrong if I, if I just took some stuff. I mean, I could leave well, them here, a tip. Well, here's the thing in an apocalyptic world. As fun as that sounds, I can imagine you going to a, a abandoned guitar center and living in the store. I wouldn't imagine you taking anything, because how would you be able to travel while fighting, up, fighting off zombies? Flying a van that has keys in it. Yeah, but then you got to, like, worry about gas and how far that van is going to carry There's you. There's gas stations nearby. Yeah, but gas stations aren't going to work if you can't, like, pay for gas. Honey? What? I used to work at a gas station. All I have to do is go around the thing, 
turn on the damn thing. Okay, Just put the, the gas on. Don't. What? Don't. Don't what? Don't what? Give you hope? No. It's not that you're giving me hope. It's the fact that you're like... You're giving people a very illegal idea of how to steal gas <laughs> just now. Oh. And it doesn't... The way you explain it doesn't make any sense. Go around the thing, open up the thing, and then get the thing. And I'm like, what the, thing are you talking about? Talking about the, the goddamn gas. You turn on the thing. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. I'll stop before it gets any worse than that. And I love how your long-winded like fantasy just made me totally not want to share mine. You are so... Because like, I'm so simple. You want to know where mine is? You're simple, bitch. <laughs> but I feel like in a post well, yeah, in a post-apocalyptic world, is especially where there are zombies. And again, this probably is going towards the same route as Wichita and Little Rocks. But you would you, you find your own niche? Find your own thing that you would like to do. What, like a Michael store? Yes, yes. I could see you in the end of the world going to a goddamn Michael store. Probably living in it because I don't know. I mean, you probably have a working car and everything, right? No. Would you? Would, no. Okay. So. Okay. If, let me let me just break something down for you. Would you make some would, art in that store? I would, but here's the thing. I feel like in an apocalyptic world where I'm not required to go anywhere and do anything aside from protecting myself from zombies, I don't need to travel. Okay. I really don't. But just if, in if case. I, if, I can, if I can build some sort of mechanism, which I'm pretty sure I can, because it's a Michael store, they've got almost everything in there, I can defend myself from zombies. But just in case, if you need to find one, you find one in the parking lot with a fully gas car with a key in it. This wasn't then... even my idea. This wasn't even, like, my fantasy. The, <laughs> the place I would have gone to is Wildwood, New Jersey. Ooh, that's a good one. There's a Michaels yeah. in Wildwood, New Jersey. Yeah, towards, towards like the um. Bowie. What are you doing, silly bee? Hi, baby. Hey, baby. You okay? You feel left out? Yeah, he gets a little lonely when we do our podcasts. But yeah, I would probably would have gone to Wildwood, New Jersey. I mean, the boardwalk, the scenery, the you know restaurants and shops. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I wouldn't I would wouldn't be able to go into a restaurant and have people feed me, but I would be able to go in and get some food there, at mm. least. Good point. So, I can just quickly... What's the last one? Texas Chainsaw 3D. Ew. Yeah, you do that. Yeah. Because it's, it's really nothing like... It, I, I would just chalk this up as, like, bad writing, but it's Texas Chainsaw 3D. Alright, so Texas Chainsaw 3D was released in 2013. It, its biggest plot hole is its main character, Heather. Now... She is essentially the main character. She's the final girl. And in the beginning of the movie, she is shown as an infant in 1974, right? We'll flash forward to 2013, which is where our main story plot takes place. That would make Heather, like, 40, almost 40 years old, essentially. Now, why would a 40-something-year-old woman be traveling a bunch of other 20-somethings and still look like a 20-something herself. Like, it, for one thing, it did not make sense. I, Like I said, I would just chalk this up as bad writing or just, you know, bad casting because 
it's I feel like it's two parts bad writing and one part marketing gimmick. Because if you think about it, most movies that have some sort of leading lady, they they kind of overglorify her character in a bit in a sense to kind of like sell the movie. And if I've learned anything from media classes is that sex sells. And in horror movies, there is sex, there is nudity, there is, you know, that very high sexuality in a lot of the characters, you know, not just men, but women too. Like women are over glorified. They're, you know, dressed down. They look slutty, you know, to fit a certain character and to get people in audiences into the theaters. And that's just something I felt like the casting department was going for. You know, it's like, well, yeah, our character is technically 40 something. But nobody's going to want to go see a horror movie with a 40-something-year-old woman traveling with a bunch of 20-somethings and then get, you know, come out on top as the final girl. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it's, again, it's just one of those marketing gimmicks, I feel like, where sex sells. So that is my little input on the final plot hole for today's episode. Colin? Yes? So now, thank you all for listening to us. I hope you guys had a wonderful time listening. Yeah, thank you for holding out a little longer with us than usual. I, mean, I know this wasn't as compelling and as interactive as our last plot hole episode. It was a little more fun. Yeah, but I feel like we definitely should do more of these and we should definitely engage more and have more in-depth conversations like this because the first plot hole episode we did was way more fun than this one. Yeah, but I think this was still fun no matter what. So no matter what we do, okay. as long as we're doing... Oh, wow. <laughs> Never mind. But no. Mm-hmm. Other than that, thank you all for listening to us. This has been the uh, episode 14 of the Abbey Normal Podcast. And I am Colin Bourne. And I am Aaliyah. Signing off with saying, I know what I like. I like art. And I like what I know. <laughs>